Welcome everyone to this two-part lovely episode. There is a part one, so I would head over to episode 16 if you hadn't gone to hear it yet, or go backwards if you want to be spoiled a lot. We appreciate your time to listen to us speak on some pretty tough things, and we hope you'll join us in the conversation. Enjoy the episode. Going back to can I touch your hair, we'll go into like, before we go into what Jenny and Georgia did, I know that, I mean, I don't know, Angela, you can tell me if this was a microaggression or not. So the first like few months of mine and Angela's friendships due to her like intestine, no, bowel, irritable bowel, (laughs) due to her stomach issues, I like (laughs) saw her infrequently. I wouldn't say, no, I would, we'll just go with flaky. She's a little bit flaky, kind of like ambiguous, like when I would see her, when I wouldn't. It got more regular in my second year of college, but that first year was kind of like, it kind of would go in and out. So like the first few times I met Angela, honestly, from the stories, I don't remember. (laughs) But the next few times I would see her, sometimes she would wear her glasses and sometimes she wouldn't. And as we all know, like glasses drastically change the way someone's face can look. And then some of the other times, Angela would straighten and curl her hair. And I don't think Angela was very much straightening her hair at the time. And I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, whoa, you look like a different person. Not in like, I don't think I did it in like a bad versus good way. It was just like a, you don't look like you normally look kind of way. This was in my dorm. So I know it was my freshman year. When when I when my hair is not in its naturally curly state and I've either straightened it or straightened straightened and added a bit of like a wave or a curl my face shape looks drastically different so like I already didn't really know this girl and then like she kept changing up her look every few times like didn't really recognize her most for a while but at some point I don't know if it was like my second year or my third year like the conversation of hair came up not because I mean I think I did ask to touch her hair at one point but that was after she told me it was bad to ask to touch people's hair but then because she put the idea in my head it made me curious about it which I'm not (laughs) saying is a justification it's just like the thing like Mm. don't think of the pink zebra and like you think of the pink zebra because that's that's what's now in your mind. But it was a conversation about like, I don't know whether it was like going to the, going into a, there was like a danger or a pool party or it was raining or it was humid. It has something to do with the way your hair would be impacted in the environment. And I was like, what? Like I didn't understand, which is when we, I think first started the hair conversation. I don't know. This is one of those selective things you might've remembered better. So I don't, I don't exactly remember this first conversation. I do remember when you, I do remember the first time that you actually like asked to touch my hair. And I think it was your second year year because I I remember like your bed was in the alcove. Yes. But yeah, no, I mean, honestly, it probably did have something to do with a danger because anytime like my hair is near water, up fog, any sort of moisture after I've spent an extensive amount of time heat styling it, we protect it. Nothing else. Nothing else matters but the hair in this situation. So yeah, I mean, I wouldn't know. Here, I did not take your asking to touch my hair as a microaggression. Frankly, at this point, we'd known each other a while. We'd had a lot of very open and honest conversations about life. And I knew who you were and I knew, wow, I I, I feel very, um, I feel very bachelor right now because I'm going to say, my heart. I feel like I know your heart. Yeah. <laughs> So I I didn't I didn't take it in any way as a bad way. I took it as more of a curiosity because after that time you weren't like actively like reaching out and touching my hair, acting like you knew what my hair was. But yeah, no, I and I think that's the really hard part about microaggressions because in some ways they do stem a lot from curiosity and some people just have not grown up in a place where that curiosity has necessarily been harmful when they've put questions or statements out there to other people in their lives. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, I think it I think it makes sense. I think also not I did not have any friends who had textured hair before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I think that we'd talked about that too. So I knew that this wasn't some sort of like weird fetish that you harbored. You no. It was just a thing of like I remember I think it frankly stemmed from you styling your hair and when Angel styles her hair and it's long, it can literally look like she has a Victoria's Secret ball for a week straight and she doesn't wash it, doesn't touch it, barely brushes it, maybe a little oil to it and it looks the same and it lasts longer than my hair ever could. And it kind of stemmed from like, why? Like, how does it do it? And then it's like, we'll take the reverse of what my hair can't do because of this. And then that's how we started talking about kind of the hair discussion. And I learned a lot more. Like another conversation, I remember Angela telling me about how she had a 24-hour hair routine. And I'm like, I couldn't Oh yeah, when I first explained what washing day was to you. Well, I had a washing day, but like I had like specific washing days, but my washing days were not nearly as extensive as what your washing day was. Oh yeah, washing day for me is literally an entire day. We start in the morning and we end in the evening. Angela won't make plans on these days, but I think the way that Ginny and Georgia handled that version of the hair conversation or the hair incident, much better this time. I really appreciated it. Well, I don't know if, I mean, you can tell me. I thought it was a very good display. The only thing that bothered me about it was up until this point Ginny had great curls I think her curls were good partway through the season she does straighten her hair and there are some comments made about that from the white counterparts but when it was curly it was really well styled curly I don't know if everyone would agree with me and maybe someone would appreciate and correct me I thought she did her edges really well from what I've seen edges are supposed to look like and how they should be treated those baby hairs in the front I thought they looked really good So the fact that in this scene, all of her friends were getting sleek Ariana Grande ponytails. She obviously, you shouldn't be brushing her hair. The fact Mm. that she let someone brush her hair and like expect something was the only part of me that didn't believe it because her curls were so phenomenal through the show. And it looks like the actress really knows how to keep her curls well. Mm -hmm. No, I think in that situation, what they were trying to demonstrate was actually like a form of peer pressure where like her friends were having something done, like something that was so easy for them and she didn't want to feel left out. So it's something that if you you have not usually straight hair, sometimes you do find yourself in these situations where you're really just hoping for the best because you don't want to call any more attention to the fact that it's different or you don't want to be like the stick in the mud or something like that. The one thing I will have to say, I actually went through and I rewatched this episode a couple days ago. Nora had her hair like blown out a little bit and she had some wave to it. They didn't brush the wave out of her hair. They kept it choppy and a little piecey, especially at the top. It wasn't completely slicked back. So I don't understand why they couldn't have gone into that with Ginny. That was the one thing that I felt a little weird about watching it. I felt like Nora probably would have had to have given some sort of direction or they would have asked her. And so I don't know why the same couldn't have been done for Jenny. Like my instinct is as my instinct if I were a hairdresser would be to ask how would you like this done? Like would you like me to pull Mm. it back? Do you want me to brush it? But that didn't happen. You can you can kind of see where it is definitely meant to be an intentional thing because you don't see the hairdresser's face but you see her 
hands in the brush, kind of making those movements that that show that she's a little uncomfortable or doesn't know what to do. Definitely. And then I, you can see the tension in Jenny herself, just like let this be over with already. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like I understand what the scene was supposed to portray, but I don't know if it exactly translated as well as they hoped it would. Mm. Because I, okay. I feel that there are some elements that within the thought process don't fully make sense to give it the right impact and message. I agree. I get that. And I I think the bigger thing for me and the, I think for the, the wide audience of this show – I don't think a lot of girls typically who have straight hair would have had a second thought about telling their friend with curly hair, we're all doing Ariana Grande ponies. Go do it. We're all getting them done. Come on. Don't you want to look like us? Don't We're, we're a girl group. Mm-hmm. To me, like that's what I hope people would take away is not necessarily like all of the plot holes of why it happened, but the thing of like people who have naturally straight hair or people who have the type of hair of a hairstyle that the group is doing, not having that second thought that not everyone can do that. I hope people could get like don't just assume because she's our friend and she's a girl like it'll all work out mm-hmm. no and I think that this is something even in just our regular everyday life that we'll have to become a bit more accustomed to which I I hadn't really given this a second thought but I have like a couple people in my life who are older than me who have young children and they've been explaining to me like all of the controversy surrounding school wacky hair days now oh my god I I know we're gonna probably have to cancel it school wacky hair day I have this adorable picture of two cookie cutters in my hair and I kind of am doing like the Ariana Grande like high like like kind of Britney slash Ariana like ponytails with like two cookie cutters and I have like a tie-dye shirt and like a denim skirt and if I was like a Gen Zer right now I would totally blow up on TikTok. Oh my god. But continue of why we're probably canceling this. Well, no, I don't I don't necessarily think that like wacky hair day needs to be canceled, but a lot of the things that traditionally fell into wacky hair when we were younger and didn't really think about it. It's like, oh yeah, like parents would like brush out their kids' hair or like add in a bunch of like really like tight like curls and coils and things like that that weren't necessarily that aren't necessarily like wacky or crazy. But yeah, so it's just it's the things like that. Oh no. That we now have to think about. No, I always got like the fun spray colors or glitter. Oh, or, see, like, I could never find a color that would show up in my hair. Pink. I did neon pink and neon green, like super bright colors. Oh and I have glitter for whenever I can go to a festival again. Like in my adult life, I have purple and I have gold. Hopefully they don't expire before I can go to a festival again. Oh yeah, I would never, I, I mean, I don't, I think the family I was raised in would never consider that wacky hair. I also had a lot of hair as a child and so no one would have had the patience to do that on me. But it was, that was never something that like, crossed my mind that people would do I know like kids would roll out of bed and like not touch their hair but I never heard of like people styling their hair like curly and then like brushing it out so it became frizzy huh so many things to think about but one of the other things that I learned when being friends with Angela was like makeup colors (laughs) that I like didn't realize wouldn't show up in a lot of my palettes like Oh my god, I don't think half of your eyes, more than half of your eyeshadow did not show up on me. Well, when I went for the colors that I would use like for like 
a smoky eye, they worked fine. I just had to start in the 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 third, the, like the darker third of my palette. Well, like I don't know, my my friends were mostly like not melaninned, mm-hmm. so I didn't think about the fact that like a brown eyeshadow had to be a certain shade to show up. I mean, I got better and I like figured it out more like your senior year, but it was something that like never had to occur to me. I know. I mean, honestly, it really didn't occur to me either because growing up, I had people in my life who could pick out the right shades for me and direct me to what I needed. So I got there eventually. No, no, I know. Like I, here's the thing. I never took it as a bad thing. I think it's just, it really comes into how that situation is navigated. I think we were both very perplexed when it was like, why, like, why isn't this working? Why don't you look like you have makeup on? But we got there. We did. And I think I tried to do similarly to when your friend doesn't fit into a size clothes, clothes, which like body positivity and all like it's still embarrassing if you try on a shirt and it doesn't look good. I always tried to make sure like when we would go to the darker shades in the palette and like to not raccoon eye Angela, I would try to like make sure I was like not as confident as the colors I knew, but I tried to portray it as like, okay, I'm just going to do what I do, but a shade darker. And like as a fact, not as a thing of like, ew, I'm using the muddy shades. I think that's another area where like we just don't think of it like, oh my God, like I don't use that eye because like I'm gonna look like I got hit. It's also like Mm -hmm. the way in which you're portraying and trying to do it of like, okay, like no worries. Like I'll just use these colors. And your whole point at the end of it was like, yeah, no, it looks fine. And it's fine that you had to use those colors. But the point is you could use 10 of these shades in the palette. I could only use the final four. Right. Shifting slightly, going back to Junior and Georgia, we're gonna hit the moment we all know is the reason I made Angela start watching, the reason I made my whole family watch the show, the reason I encourage everyone, well, not so much anymore. I mean, personally, I still encourage, but like, think about it for yourself before you do. Let's talk about Asians. I assume that you are referring to the fight between Jenny and Hunter. I am, but prior to that, I think since ideally, I'm going to have a really fast turnaround on this episode. We can do the show notes later. Okay. What's going on in our country right now? I mean, I could answer, but... There is an epic wave of Asian discrimination and Asian hate happening. There have been so many personal attacks against Asians throughout this country. And okay, I don't know. I'm not completely as aware of this as I should be. So Jay, you'll have to let me know if there's something that specifically started it. Is that because I'm Asian? No, because you're, you have far more time than I do to keep up with the news right now. Like I didn't, I didn't know about, um, oh, okay. Well, no, I was going to say, I didn't even know about the potential part two of an insurrection that was supposed to happen a couple days ago. Oh yeah, whatever. Until after the fact, when I got the news, like, oh, like that nothing happened. We're saved. And I was like, oh, something was going to happen. Um, the mean, the main thing for the Asian hate that started it was the pandemic. It's always been there. It's always had its position in the systemic structure of whiteness and of the way America was set up. But it got bad during when the pandemic started because mm-hmm. the first known case was in Wuhan. And the thing that I saw from TikTok, and I know we say TikTok a lot, but You just consume so much knowledge on there. And something that I said that someone loved was, if you're going to call it the China virus, where's your bed from? Where's your TV from? Where's probably the laptop parts you're using, the device you're listening to? All of that was probably also made in China. So if you're going to give China credit for one thing, give them credit for everything else they do for you as well in your daily life. Let's not selectively choose when we're going to name something because of where it started. Here, here. No, I feel like for the past few weeks, the news has just been filled every night with a new story about like an attack either here in the Bay Area or something that's 
that's being picked up from elsewhere in the country. And it's it's very saddening, but also I'm very hopeful because there have been a lot of great people who have been stepping in and intervening for their neighbors and people on the street. For the first time in my life, when I was talking about like traveling post-pandemic, I like got a comment made to me out of concern and safety, like make sure that how the representation and things are getting spun around like the coronavirus are before you travel anywhere. And I was like, why? It's like, basically, I was told, well, sweetie, you look Asian. It's like, I'd, I'd never been told that. And that was one of the things over the summer I saw that oftentimes, I don't know, Angel, if you've ever had to that more melanin people of color do before they travel places. And it didn't even occur to me. Oh, yeah. Never. Never occurred to me. Oh, oh yeah. Because I get the whole thing. People ask me a lot if I'm Middle Eastern. I... Oh, we're we're not getting too heavy because it's late and we're we're here. But even before the pandemic, I've been stopped a lot by security, police, various people who want to know what I'm doing in the area, who ask me where I'm from, specifically if I'm Middle Eastern or if I'm from Central America, want to know like what I'm doing here, what my business is. And then during the pandemic, it definitely was heightened, especially in the first few months, because now we're all wearing masks. And it was a conversation that I had to have with my mom. Like one time I was going out, it was cold. I had my mask on, I had a scarf and a hoodie and my gloves. And I pulled the hood up and she's like, take that off right now. She's like, go change. She's like, someone is going to think that you're up to no good. She's like, just because of what you look like right now. And she's like, I know that's wrong, but do not put yourself in that situation. Definitely. I saw a lot about that early in the pandemic with mask wearing and mm-hmm. and I didn't, again, didn't even occur to me that like, oh my God, I'm sure for people who's, who look like quote unquote people up to no good, which shouldn't have a description, but mm-hmm. microaggressions and implicit biases happen must wearing a mask must make their lives hell because people mm-hmm. already think you're up to no good. Now they can't see your freaking face. Right. Like, and just to pre- just to put this in here too, I have no problem when people ask me if I'm insert specific ethnicity race here. I'm, I'm flattered, but I just, I don't, I, it's very hard when it comes in with a profiling aspect, which is why I bring it up. Most definitely. And then also speaking of microaggressions against Asians, would you like to talk about college or would you like me to talk about college? I think you should talk about college. Okay. So within the sorority Angela and I were affiliated with, there, there was definitely clickiness within it. And frankly, a decent amount fell into racial things. And I don't think it was intentional. I don't think anyone disagreed or had big grievances or was overtly racist. I think it was a bit of laziness, frankly, of, oh, you grew up in this neighborhood. I grew up right over there. I know these people, you know, these people, we can all speak the same language. I think it was a bit of laziness of finding people who had similar backgrounds and just sticking with them. Yes, no? Um, Yeah, I, I think I agree. Like, I don't think- Not everyone, I... but I think there were certain, de- there were definitely certain groups. No, definitely. Not everyone. And again, these weren't like you couldn't sit with someone. It wasn't that exclusive, but it was a thing of if you got the entire group, and again, this was over like a hundred women together, there would be a group of there would be different groups, and they happen to also be easy to pick out racially. Not all of them. And again, if we Mm -hmm. told everyone to mix around, they could and they would, and it would be fine. But they naturally gravitated to people of similar backgrounds, races, ethnicities. Mm Mm-hmm. One of these groups was a group of Asians in the organization. Now, no matter 
the bad behavior, exclusive behavior that may or may not have been conducted with this group, they had a reputation in chapter. And one of the things, and I was not a part of this group. So talk, we can talk more about my internet, my intersectionality struggle at another time. But I was not great friends with these girls. Again, I liked them, but I was not in their group. I was not in their main group. I had different friends who I still talk to. Angela is one of them. Other girls who I love to this day. I was not part of the main group of Asians in our chapter. And so I would hear some of the feedback coming from girls. And one of the big comments being made was like, I can't even tell them apart. And the response I would always get from friends when I would kind of even girls I was close to I'd call them out on it was like oh well you're different and when the one differentiating point is like well they all look the same well you're different what is the deeper point being made there and again these were my friends these are my friends but I think microaggressions particularly also against Asians were not as prominent and validated as they are now. So I'm glad we're getting there. And I don't think I'm, it doesn't excuse the bad behavior and the perception that these girls would give off to other members of our chapter because rude behavior is rude behavior no matter who it is. But it also doesn't excuse the comments that would be made, especially that to me, to I don't know whether they were trying to other me from them or trying to I don't know. I don't think anyone was trying to other you from them. I think that sometimes, especially when you have a group of close friends, sometimes you tend to think of each other outside of outside of the spaces that you occupy and think of yourselves as all in. You don't tend to think of each other in the individual spaces that you occupy and you tend to push yourselves all together into one communal space that in your mind you share. And I think that that's where those lines can get to be blurred and we start saying things that can be hurtful to one another. Like I I know I definitely probably, no, I've, I've definitely said at some point, I don't know who it was. I couldn't tell you. I don't remember her name in some form of saying like, I don't, it, there was no good way to differentiate between people. And that's definitely not okay. And I don't think that there's any sort of excuse for it. I think that we just need to recognize it and we need to recognize it and do better. And I'm, I'm very sorry for the part that I played in that. Thank you. It's okay. In a few episodes from now, we talk about medical implicit biases. Well, not medical. Implicit biases through the lens of medicine. And I admit to some I grew up with, I think. They can happen for everyone and it's an active decision on how we choose to move forward once we're able to have the awareness of them. Mm -hmm. But in this show, in terms of the scene that to me was the most impactful and the reason I demanded Angela watch the show as soon as she finished Outlander. I don't know what show you were in the middle of, but I made you finish Gossip Girl. Gossip Girl. I made her pass Hilary Duff, very poorly singing Lady Gaga, to watch the show. I know. Okay, just a quick segue here. They did her so that dirty. That really bothered me, right? They did, so dirty. they did her so dirty in that scene. <laughs> I saw it on TikTok the other day. I'm like, holy shit, that was – forgot how bad that was. Really, though? The scene I made Angela stop for. So in episode eight, there's a scene between half Taiwanese, half Canadian in real life, but half American on the show, Hunter, who is a typical all-around student. He tap dances. He's in a band. He's in AP classes, very college train, or as the bunny daughter says, oh, as so as in Gilmore Girls, they call her, she's on on the college train, the treadmill, track, crop. Conveyor belt. There we go. He's very much on the college conveyor belt. His family's 
very, very education focused with him. And then we have Jenny who grew up single mom, dad, loving, caring, not as a mature place to be a, a stable father for her. Half black, half white. And do we discuss the background or do we just discuss the fight? Um, I, I think we can talk about the background a little bit. As most kids at some point, your teachers make you write essays and read them. And this one was for a gold star for your college resume. Yeah, national essay competition. Yeah, can't relate, but <laughs> um, <laughs> this one... <laughs> The the topic was, where do you feel most at home? Hunter, from what we hear at the end, writes a very respectable essay of wherever he feels at home in a very essay-like form. Ginny, on the other hand, when her artistic dad comes back into her life on his Christopher Hayden motorcycle, takes her to the slam poetry event to help her find what's the story only she could tell. Because originally she was going to say, oh, they're not in Westview, that's WandaVision. Um, shoot. <laughs> Wellsbury. 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 She feels at home on Wellsbury. It's the first time after her mom's made her move throughout her entire life she feels at home. And her father, Zion's whole point is, can anyone else write this essay? Your essay should be something, your home is only where you can feel at home. So she writes this amazing, well, I, I'm going to say from my perspective, an amazing slam poetry essay about kind of starting with checking a box of black or white and going through her journey moving through the world with her mom, being biracial, very intersectional full and never being able to check a box to anyone's satisfaction. Anything to add? I literally resonated with that piece so much. I feel like I've heard Meghan Markle make a similar speech. Hmm. Well, we'll have I've to heard, look that I've up. I've heard someone make a speech similar to the check boxes thing. Or at least make that comment, I never knew what box check. Yes, I know you've made in people in my life, but like, I think Meghan Markle, someone who I can really resonate with said it. <laughs> as someone who has very close ties to royalty as well. So it finally sunk in a bit. Got it. Okay. I feel like I'm going to have to now start tweeting Meghan Markle anytime I have a point that I really want to resonate with you and just be like, bam her. Be like, hello, my friend. Don't be silly. Meghan Markle doesn't have a Twitter. Well, she's probably going to get one back now after her Oprah interview. We're not there yet. Okay. But do you have anything to add before I go into the fight? So summed it up really well. I don't think there's anything else that we need to go into. Just we have Hunter's very traditional piece. And then we have Jenny's artistic spoken word-esque type essay. And they're, and this is all for their AP English class where they already have. Okay, go for it. Hunter wins, which is the, <laughs> which I realize is like kind of the missing is going to be the point to lead into this. Hunter wins the essay. He wins the contest. And also throughout this course, we've already mentioned that Jenny's teacher is racist. Microaggressions mm -hmm. left and right. Frankly, he gets more and more overt and emboldened through the season. And yeah, they, they transition from microaggressions to full on aggression. Example being in the last episodes, the N word comes up and they're talking about, well, we can't use it now. Very much CH vibes from that comment. Oh. And oh, then directs really, it at, right, Ginny? Like, you know, like the word didn't mean that. But now it's like, we know it's bad now, right? But it wasn't bad then. But you, you know? was the only, you you was the only person who's kind of black. Like he's, he pushed it real hard. Oh my God. It was horrible. And can I also say too, I went back and I watched interview. CH. Oh dear Lord. Yes. The CH interview. I found the unedited version. There was no edited oh. version. Sorry, there's no edited version. That's his whole there thing. Is, like, they're going to edit. There's no unedited version. Other news media outlets is, have clipped it, but there's no ed, uh, there's no edited version from the source. Yes, correct. I originally Sorry. watched not from the source. So, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll post that, too. After 
Hunter and Ginny, couple in love. Um, eh, they say they're in love, so go with it. Okay, we'll we'll go with that for now. We can talk about that later. Is that the point? Is that the point of the couple in the honeymoon stage? Better? I don't even know if they're in the honeymoon stage. I think that they're in the going through Ginny the motions. Ginny and Hunter are stage. a fucking couple. Better? Yes, they are a couple. They are a couple doing coupley things. Great. Okay couple doing couple of things they're at jenny's house and hunter's kind of been like hey like no hard feelings like yours was good mine's more traditional and jenny's kind of just sitting there and you can tell she's stewing like not really sure what mm-hmm. to say knowing she wants to say something everyone also knows jenny should have won jenny's was amazing hunter gave a fine essay but the emotion the way jenny read it the way i don't care if they wanted a traditional essay quote unquote jenny's mm-hmm. was so powerful she should have won easily hands down Right. So Ginny brings it up to Hunter of like, I really should have won, right? And then obviously take out race, take out color. Right now they're both like gray blobs. That's kind of an uncomfortable situation to be in because oh, you totally. are, you're dating this person. You want the best for them. But also like you're the thing that stopped them from getting the thing they wanted. So it's also kind of a good thing of like if I am pro you, then I, I I didn't deserve to win. And you could tell that Ginny was not factoring that in whatsoever. Of her making him admit that she won. He was saying he didn't do as well and he was he won not based on merit. Which is something mm-hmm. that as a POC, we can all relate to a bit of being told, like, especially black PO, black POCs, but I think most non-whites have heard the thing of women also, but POC women, intersectionality, we're big here. Um, twice as hard for half as much. So I think also from Hunter's side of it was like, I also had to work extra hard to get here to get this essay. So by also that, you're also telling me that work didn't matter because you want me to admit you won. So take out the race portion. That's an uncomfortable conversation. Oh, completely. Because I don't care like what sort of relationship you're in. That's a very awkward position to be in. I know personally, I have a lot of passion of what comes next. So I feel like it's best if you start out or you go first. So essentially, Jenny poses this question to Hunter. You know, I'm, you know, I was supposed to win. And his response, honestly, his response got to me a little bit because he's like, well, it was an essay competition and yours wasn't exactly an essay. He's like, mine, he's like, I did what I needed to do. He's like, I wrote what they wanted. So I think almost in that way, he kind of admitted that his wasn't as good. It just checked all the boxes. She literally talked about checking boxes, but he did check all the boxes. I agree. Jenny then goes on to say, you know you only won because, well, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. You know you only won because our teachers are racist, right? And he's like, well, he's like, how can he be a racist? Because I'm not. I'm half Asian, so he can't. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm half Asian, so he's only like half racist, right? Is very close to the line. I don't know. I don't think it's exactly, but it's very close. Yeah. And then he and Jenny then continue to argue and a lot, a lot of things are said. Do, do we want to list those out? I don't know them at the top of my head. Do you think it's better if we list them or if we paraphrase? Ooh, pardon me. Um, I think, I, okay, here's the thing. I think that we should actually list them out because okay, we, we really, re- this, I feel like this conversation really resonated with us. So I think we should, we should do this. So I, folks, give us a moment while we look this up. You can look up the Ash ones. 
they both start going after the intersectionality and the POC part of each other. Some of the things Hunter brings up to Ginny is our white friend works better than you. Jerk chicken, I know, is a phrase that's thrown in there. For Hunter, it's about I speak better Mandarin than you do. I also know that in terms of Ginny expressing her experience, one of the lines that she says to Hunter is, I don't see our white friends fist bumping you. So there's a lot of things that as a person of color who very much moves through white spaces and being X enough or being not enough really resonated with us. Mm -hmm. I think that there has been a lot of controversy surrounding this scene and there are a lot of people who are unhappy with it, but this has really echoed a lot of conversations that I've had in my life when trying to explain the way that I feel to people who have then tossed it back at me saying, well, I go through this. So are you trying to say that this doesn't matter? Are you trying to say that there's no sort of oppression or prejudice in my life? And I know that the phrase oppression olympics that triggered a lot of people yeah was pulled out during this scene and it's a lot of people have felt like this was a very choppy experience where they just grabbed for the most obvious things to hurl at each other during this fight but i also think it speaks to a semblance of realism because the remove the context of the show was created and mostly written by two white writers. I'm pretty sure this particular episode, and there's even a few interviews on it, was written by two black writers. And this particular scene took experiences from both of the characters, from both of the leads in this scene. So I'm not trying to say, oh, look, the writers have a black friend. But I'm also saying in the context of this very sensitive, personal scene that does resonate, with people like Angela and I or who have similar backgrounds, by disregarding the scene as a whole, it's naive to think that similarly to the other end, just because you don't know anyone in the experience doesn't mean it's not a very valid, vindicated scene for other people. No, I think what this scene does really well is show what it's like to be someone who is multiracial, who has only really moved through white spaces, who doesn't really and who doesn't really know how that truly has affected their experience because it hasn't been something that's really been addressed with them like we never saw Jenny and Georgia talk about what it was like to be an interracial family or things that they experienced because of that you never saw Georgia and Austin have anything mm-hmm. Georgia never dealt with it Georgia and Jenny never dealt with it together and Austin for all of the bullying that happened to him in school, nothing had to do with his sister mm-hmm. looking different. No, I think that it very much showed like the way that these things can boil and build up inside of you. And then when it's never been addressed with you, when you've never had that chance to talk about it, you don't know how to communicate it. You don't know how to com- mm-hmm. you don't know how to express it well, even to people who are going through the similar experience as you. Another criticism I saw of the scene, which I'm surprised is criticism was they had no answer. It ends with the hunter storming out and Ginny crying. 
And that just kind of perplexed me because for them to have come to a resolution would mean society would kind of have an answer to intersectionality and racism right? and classism, and Frank- which, which, which would mean I don't, I don't think there is an answer. And that's what I loved about the scene was there was no bow that there was nothing you could hide. There's nothing that you could hide under. They go at it and it's painful to watch, but it's real life. And I think for them to have done anything or given an answer would have been an Mm -hmm. injustice to all the people having these discussions. Angela and I wouldn't do this podcast or talk about things like this if we had an answer. Frankly, if we had answers, we probably wouldn't even have a podcast at all. Nah, I still like other people to hear my opinions. I'd have enough of them even if they weren't racially motivated. Possibly. We'd have to disregard one of our pillars though. And what would we replace it with? Pink. Pink? Final answer? (laughs) And glitter? Debatable. We'll have to we'll have to take that up during our next meeting. Well, well, thank God we're still intersectional and our world still doesn't get it. Granted, I have to say, I have incredibly I have an incredibly great group of friends and a very supportive family. So none of these conversations have ever hit as well, actually, no, that's a lie. This conversation has hit that close to home because I once dated someone who tried to tell me that he had it harder than me in terms of his ethnic background. But do you do you all want to know what the kicker there is? We have the same ethnic background. The difference between he and Angela, he is white passing, which puts a whole different dynamic on to him saying this. For days and days, he went on and on about how it was profiling and he was oppressed for that. He had actually asked me how my family felt about my dating a white man. I was like, so are you white or are you an oppressed minority? I'm confused here. That's where we get intersectionality, but there's a difference between, for example, which I recently learned, Rachel Kirkinall, Kirkinall, whatever we want to go with. She's half white, half Honduran. Everyone's been referring to her as white because she looks white. And I'm sure her experience with her Honduran side, I'm not saying she has not had issues culturally. However, in America, it is not the same. Carry on. No, and not not to say that he is multi-ethnic. He is multicultural. And that's not what you're taking away. Yes. In during this discussion. Yes. yes, this person is multicultural. There probably was a level of profiling going on. In a way, this does hit close to home. I fully don't know if I have the words to think about this, so I'm going to have to put it in the show notes. But when it comes out, when these things happen, when you're not ready to talk about them, you say a lot of things that are not okay. Well, how did I'll edit around it, but how did you feel hearing? him try to equalize your experience of similar ethnic background with the way color works in this country. So I had not long before this incident tried to explain to him something that happened to me and he completely dismissed it. He was like, oh, he's like, that's not real. Like that didn't happen. I'm sure they were just having a bad day. And I was like, "Mm, no, I'm pretty sure they meant what they said. That's the joy of microaggressions. Mm Mm-hmm. People can ride them off as that person was having a bad day. That wasn't as bad. You're taking it too personal. That's what microaggressions do. Microaggressions just basically gaslight you. Oh my God, really though? But yeah, nothing that Jenny and Hunter said was okay at all. That is not the way that you should have those conversations. But 
when you don't even know how to have that conversation with yourself, that's what happens. Agreed. And also, I don't I don't fault either of that. I think it's a script, it's characters, it's a show. However, I think the fact that it did resonate with you and I and other people, this scene was it was painful to watch, but for once it felt like the conversation I've had and I've asked and I've recognized in terms of this discussion of intersectionality and race and where, what are you? Where do you belong? You're not this enough. You're not that enough. It was the first time I've heard it echoed similarly to the way I felt I've moved through the world. Definitely. So if you haven't watched Jenny and Georgia, maybe give it a chance. Please don't write it off. We'd really like to see what they're going to do in season two as far as character development. And now that they've opened the box and set the tone, we'd like to see how they explore these issues further. Most definitely. I think there were a lot of valid criticisms of the show. I think there were a lot of people who just didn't recognize or understand the conversations happening on race throughout the show, I think. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think similarly how to you and I could really relate through the way we've moved through the world. A lot people move through the world differently. And if you don't have anyone like this who's experienced it or you don't experience yourself, it might not be the easiest perspective to grasp. Just like I will not know what it's like to be a a, a brown or black person of color. I will never have that experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you and I will never know what it's like exactly to walk in each other's shoes. And that's why we have each other. Yes. And I think that by the show opening up a discussion in an area where I don't believe I've seen much room. I know you said a little fire. Little Fires Everywhere has done similar work in the space. It was 10 episodes. It was a 10 episode teen drama and they can do more if they get the time, but at least they had the conversation is the way I look at it. I think I think what we have to remember in this situation is that first we need to start the conversation and then we have to grow with it. And that's where season two comes in. Definitely. And it's the first. Exactly. They're sophomores. They can definitely get in another two years of really good growth here and go to college as well-rounded people, hopefully. Yeah. Or since they already have people from Degrassi, they know how to very easily transition in a new class. Oh, very true. See, I'm very sad that Netflix picked up Degrassi and then only gave us like what, three seasons? Four. And then ended it? Four? They gave us four. Lame. Somebody else, pick up Degrassi. (laughs) My kids need to watch Degrassi. My kids will just watch the old Degrassi. The old, old Degrassi, then my Degrassi, and then Netflix. Or can we get old Degrassi on DVD? Well, what if DVD players don't even exist? Blu-ray? Hologram? Whatever is playing about 10 years from now, I'm going to need all of Degrassi on that. Like 15. What's a 15 player? No, like 15 years. If you were today and show them Degrassi... They would be 10 in 10 years. I think I started watching when I was 10. I know, but you're not having kids today, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, correct. Yes. All right. 15 years from now, somebody needs to send me Degrassi. But Angel and I would like a season two to let the story progress as we think this this story did open some doors and conversations and shine lights on things. And it can do more if they get time and constructive criticism and feedback to do Mm -hmm. better. Yeah, no, I really hope that the writers and Netflix and everyone is, are hearing a lot of this and they can take it and make sure that season two addresses it. One of the things I know we both want to see is, I mean, is more interactions with Bracia and the mono race people, the mono race black kids at the school. And I know you would like to see that mono race group of black students also 
branch out or at least see their experience when they try to branch out. Definitely. No, I'd love to see that. I want to hear more about Nora too. She was my favorite of all of them outside of Jenny. People hate Jenny online. Really? People hate Jenny online. Wow. No, and then I want to know, I want to know more about early Marcus. I want some flashbacks to freshman year with his best friend. I know for us, the whole race intersectionality was like a big deal. Like we also said, Max and Marcus's dad is deaf. We find out at the end that someone who seems like a bitch, her husband has some very clearly terminal illness going on. There's the whole murder plot line. There's bullying. There's LGBTQ. And at least personally. There's fraud. Yeah. And personally, it didn't feel nearly as performative as a lot of shows do when trying to tackle all the things. They could have done better. And I hope if they get a season two, they do do better. But for a first season and everything they hit, it felt like these things fit because these people existed, not these things existed. So they made people fit these marginalized communities. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I don't know. Is there is there another? Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. This is this is what I wanted. Hunter, when he says, it's all about survival. I keep my head down. I do what's asked. Yeah, bro. And I don't know, Jay, have you ever felt like that? I know I've felt like that. And I'm not, and Jenny's second question definitely speaks to how I feel about it because she countered Hunter and said, and you're proud of that? And that hit because I was just like, I am 100% not proud of that. I feel like a coward, but it's how, it's the best way that I've figured out how to move within my world. Um, I feel like I do what I'm told and I keep my head down, but that's more because I'm highly anxious, not because... I felt like my validity and acknowledgement in a situation would be less if I didn't. More just because I like control and superstructure because I have major anxiety, trust, and attachment issues. That's fair. But no, I think also the great point that Ginny made during that was I could have written the same essay. I could have followed the same outline you did and I wouldn't have won. Because in the grand scheme of the argument that they were having, I think they were both equal and they both made very valid points from their perspectives and their experience that they had lived however when it comes to the essay and the actual essay portion of winning I agree with Ginny she could have written Hunter's essay they could have switched essays and Hunter would have went for being innovative different right because like she says oh another thing that Ginny throws in their model minority myth Asians are known to be quiet good students good at math attentive whatever and black women are known to be loud and aggressive which are not things we personally agree with but those were more into those stereotypes that were thrown in not at all i'm actually reading an article right now where it calls this fight a fig leaf of authenticity to cover up for bad writing okay yeah but if you have feelings on jenny and georgia please comment dm us email us we'd love to have open respectful discussions and if it's not that feel free to direct your messages at angela (laughs) (laughs) apparently she disagrees with that statement with this long pause I was just given. No, I was about <laughs> I'm pulling up our outro. Okay. I'm like, okay. I want respectful open discussions. Any other comments, direct towards Angela. Yeah, throw everything else at Angela. <laughs> oh dear Lord. Please don't. Please be respectful with me too. Actually, I'd appreciate that. <laughs> Kudos to anyone. Who made it through. I'm 90% sure this is going to be a double episode. We appreciate everyone who listened to all of this. It was emotionally vulnerable for me. I'm not going to speak for Angela, but I feel like I also know there was a lot of passion behind things 
and probably listening back and editing there are some choices and some things we might make sure to clarify and or elaborate within our show notes so please check them out at mm-hmm. omniapod.com slash ep16 yeah 16 16 and 17 will be together in the show notes and please give us a while because angela does those but the episodes will be up and we'll repost them on the instagram once they're up this show art imitating life and as much as we both loved seeing it it's also hard and vindicating seeing something that's your experience validated in media so we appreciate anyone who gave us the time and listened through all this and would love to have more of these discussions if anyone also would like to come on and explain their experience you're more than welcome to oh god we validate we validate all other experience we we are open to listening and learning and hearing everyone else's experiences as well absolutely as if you've been listening as you know we love having guests on so we'd love to have you come and talk more with us about it here here and on that note thank you for listening to this episode of in omnia paratus grab your coffee bowl and don't forget to rate download and subscribe on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts as always where you lead will follow so head on over to at in omniapod on instagram and let us know what you want to hear about in the comments bye bye